stop Googling and start listening for the love of wellness. With over 50 years in women's wellness, hosts Sam Leeson and Laurel Crossley, along with a weekly special guest, will explore gaps and issues within the women's wellness industry. If you're passionate about topics affecting women's health, such as sleep, grief, body image, and much more, then please stay tuned. So, how's your love life? How's your relationship with your partner? It's been some interesting times during this pandemic on how well or unwell your significant relationship is. Join us today with sexologist Michelle Ray as we navigate through relationships and what's going on within our significant relationships today. Today's episode is brought to you by babyready.info. Welcome, Michelle. We are so grateful to have you here. I just want to start by saying that I have a bit of history with you. So full disclosure, and I did ask my wife ahead of time if I could bring this up and why I know you and why I felt like it was so important to bring you into this was that when my wife finished her cancer journey, we had learned to be two different people together in our relationship. And we needed to learn how to be a couple again. And so we sought someone out who was comfortable working with the 2SLGBTQIA community. And we were lucky enough to find you fall on your doorstep, as it were. You taught us not only how to be a stronger couple, but you taught us how to be stronger people. With that said, it is my honor to welcome you to the podcast today. Thank you. Oh my gosh, thank you. What a beautiful, beautiful introduction. Thank you so much. And it was such actually a beautiful demonstration of secure functioning because you led by suggesting that I checked with my wife first to see if it was okay, right? right. Which was a beautiful protection of the first relationship, right? So yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's an honor to be here. It's an honor to be a part of this with both of you. Yay. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, my head's exploding because I will be married 30 years this year. Wow. And we're both alive. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was joking with a friend of mine and saying, you know, I think I need to do a new TV series called Men in Trunks. And everybody will think it's bathing suits, but no, it's because I want to kill my husband today and I'm visualizing putting him in the trunk. But seriously, (laughs) (laughs) what is happening with our relationships, our significant relationships. And I'm thinking specifically because we've gone through this poop storm that is the pandemic. I see people getting really super strong in their relationships and I see others blowing apart. What's happening? This is a really great question, right? Because generally speaking, like pre-pandemic, we had all kinds of opportunities whether we use them or not, but we had all kinds of opportunities within our lives to move in and out and have distractions and have other things where we are able to put our time and attention. And really in relationships, first and foremost, we do need to have some space in order to um, infuse desire and interest and curiosity, right? So it's necessary um, while still creating safety and security. And with the pandemic, so first of all, like a traumatizing experience that we were all living in in real time 
And so for any of us who have had other kinds of trauma in our life, that threat became a very real entity that we were all really uncertain about. And some of us were able to navigate that uncertainty really well. And some of us were not able to navigate that uncertainty very well. And what that possibly did was foster more uncertainty, which is going to foster more insecurity and more um, anxiety. And depending on the quality of a couple partnership first, that's either going to be something that amps up where some of those fractures were, or it's going to have partners turning towards each other and being able to navigate that together. So what it really did was in taking away all the distractions, it really had us looking at in very maybe honest, although not necessarily welcomed circumstances, holy moly, what's going on with our relationship. And so some people could navigate that really well and some people couldn't. And again, not right or wrong, good or bad. It just lots of things influencing that. So, and that low level hum of threat with the pandemic, which we're still living with, but have kind of, it's kind of become the new normal. It's fallen into the background, but still there creates and changes the brain. And because our brains are more wired for war than they are for love, and that's just left over from evolution, how we respond to that, how that takes over our amygdala, um, how we're able to function in that with our frontal cortex in terms of being collaborative or reactive is going to impact how we are relationally. I'm just thinking about watching everybody on TV, powers that be. You're just what you're describing. I'm what now I'm putting like labels on all the significant people, political people, and what they're doing, whether they're burying their heads in the sand, whether they're standing up, whether they're fighting, you know, it's it's crazy out there. I, I think that you're really right that one one of the things that I've seen happen and, and I'm still working in a clinic setting on a re- regular basis. I'm still seeing patients come and go and listening to the conversations that are happening and you've really highlighted exactly what they seem to be saying over and over again is that many of their relationships are stronger and many of them have relationships that are not as strong. And and countless people that I know whose relationships just weren't able to withstand the trauma of a pandemic. Right. Well, what popped into my head is codependency. Absolutely. Right. And, and many of us grew up with that kind of a picture of what a relationship looks like, what a partnered relationship looks like. And what we're actually talking about, what I subscribe and, and teach my couples about is interdependence, right? Secure functioning is about taking care of each other. It's not codependent where one person or one thing, uh, one mood is kind of dictating the climate. We are looking for two people who in the smallest unit of society, which is a couple, um, have their own culture and governance around how they take care of each other. And that it is good for both partners, not just good for one partner and bad for the other. That takes some time to establish. And as we learned with you, sometimes it's a it's something we have to come back and revisit every once in a while because you can fall into old habits. And I would assume that during a time period where you are literally forced to be with your partner more than you ever have been before, that you have to do that more and more frequently than you ever did before, because you had, as you say, the distractions around you to go out and do things or see people or whatever. Absolutely. And it's now it's it's we're not together by choice. We're together by default. We're together by circumstance. We're together by environment. We're together by threat. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. And this might, you know, this might come as a shock, but just because two people are have chosen to be together doesn't mean that they actually want to be together or that they like each other anymore. Right. Because, again, how we come to be in relationships is complex because we come by route of the families that we grew up in. That's where we learn how to be in relationships, right or wrong. Because of that, we choose our partners often based on that. And voila. We have a myriad of types of relationships that we find ourselves in. I know, like, I remember going to my in-laws 60th wedding anniversary party or 50th wedding anniversary party. And afterwards, I came out of it and I said to my husband, why are they joy filled? They absolutely hate one another. (laughs) Why did we do a big party? to celebrate that. And he just, and we were newly married at the time. And he just looked at me, he goes, I have no freaking idea <laughs> why, you know, wow. it just seems like that there's, there's a, there's that public persona, that public perception of what a good couple marriage looks like. I mean, what's that imposter syndrome? I think it happens with couples, sure. you know, you see it on social, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. And, and this is the thing, unfortunately, and I mean, no disrespect by this, but we, we assume that the longevity of a relationship indicates the quality of that relationship, which mm-hmm. just isn't true. Right. Um, and yet it's also the fairy tale that we, we were sold, so to speak on relationships and marriage that they were for life and that there was one partner and, What that doesn't take into account is that relationships are incredibly complex and the people that we are when we get married and when we're choosing that partner, where we are developmentally may not be, definitely is not going to be where we are as Mm -hmm. we hopefully are evolving and changing. And if you think about, you know, relationships being about healing and growth, if that container is no longer serving that purpose, then it's necessary for it to be completed as opposed to it being a failure. But we don't give permission for people to experience relationships that way. And there is such Mm. shame around, you know, if a relationship fails with divorce, that I think that can influence a lot of people in terms of them staying in relationships. But my gosh, if they're able to have a long-term relationship that they continue to revisit, as you have mentioned, Sam, you know, the coming back to the secure functioning principles and reinvesting in this relationship, because it's a living, breathing entity that requires care Mm -hmm. and consideration and time and nurturance on a regular basis. If a couple is able to do that, then that's beautiful because they will be able to navigate the changes that naturally will come for each of them individually, as well as as a couple. Um, And that's really key is not being threatened by the change, but being able to embrace that and turn together. You raise a good point. Sorry, Laurel, if I can just say, because when we came to see you, it was because we truly wanted to remain a couple. We knew that the dynamics of our relationship had changed significantly for circumstantial reasons and and just life reasons. But we knew that at the core, we wanted to stay together. However, we live in a world where seeking out the care and counsel of someone like you is generally done when people are using it as a last ditch effort. Yep. You know, fine, I'll go to counseling. And we see it depicted, right? Movies, TV shows, conversations with other people. When I talk to a couple 
you know, in clinic or whatever, and they're talking to me just about their life. And I say, have you thought about going to, to, to counseling just to learn how to communicate, especially with the pandemic? And they give that look like, oh my gosh, why would I ever consider, I'm not walking away from my marriage. No, but if you're not walking away from your marriage, that means you want to stay in it. And if you want to stay in it, then why not do what you can to make it the best relationship it can be? Absolutely. There is, and this is what's, I'm so glad that you brought that up because whilst, you know, individual therapy has very much moved out of stigma territory and people embrace it. And in fact, you know, uh, young people in particular, you know, quote, Hey, my therapist said, right. With, with couples therapy, there is still a stigma attached to it that it somehow indicates there's a problem and that people are only coming in in crisis as opposed to this is my most important relationship. How do I invest in it in the way that is going to make us set us up for success? Because you're going to have conflict. You're going to run into things that maybe are not solvable issues. However, if you can learn to develop the skills of secure functioning and function in a way that honors both people and the relationship, then you're going to have the skills to be able to navigate whatever comes up for you. You know, and that's why great about doing platforms like this is to, you know, again, continue to educate people around that this is an investment. It is not about problem focused. It is something that is actually investing in the most important relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's huge. So you have mentioned a couple of times, secu- I wrote it down, secure functioning principles. What are those? So these are the principles in which we govern and are behaving in our relationship. So whether it be in our friendships or in our professional lives, secure functioning principles are about True collaboration, true mutuality, respect, fairness, justice, and sensitivity. And that this is how we behave and govern ourselves and our partner in our relationships by choice. Because what that says is that we love and respect from this lens and that no matter what, this is the lens in which we're going to interact with each other. And that's often what goes to the wayside when we are in a long-term committed relationship with somebody, because now we see them as family. And when we are in a long-term relationship, we automate people. We automate things in our lives all the time. It's because of brain resources, right? And so we will often treat a stranger more kindly than we will treat our partner because our partner is now family and they should know us and they should know and be able to anticipate what we mean. And so we, we kind of take this shorthand with each other, which then creates ample opportunity for misattunement and misunderstanding and interpretation and then well, combustion, right? As opposed to if you're with a new person, you may say, you may explain yourself so that there is zero room for misunderstanding, which is going to create way more clarity for relatability, right? So it's like we do things backwards. And so it's being able to hold on to that in our intimate relationships and remember, oh, hey, wait a second. I still need to be very mindful in how I am engaging with my partner. But that takes up a lot of resources brain-wise, which is why we just kind of shorthand everything. I think you've been in my household. Oh, <laughs> I think you've been living here. It's Are you possibly because I'm a human being first, right? <laughs> You're describing my my marriage right now. <laughs> Combustion. 
<laughs> and it is, you know, it, it and, I, and I try, you know, I try so hard. Like I'm like reeling it back in, you know, the mute button. That's what <laughs> reeling it back in. Okay. Don't like what, why are you going this way? Like I'm able to sort of step away. And that's my thing is to step away, think about it and then come back with, here's what I think. However, it takes a lot of energy to do that. How, yeah. how could you advise somebody like when they're getting ready, like, you know, when you can feel it and you're amping yeah. up, mm-hmm. how do we stop ourselves from the amplification? <laughs> well, again, so you're not going to, right? You're human. And so it's recognizing. So when I work with couples, I work with them from the packed perspective. And what that is, is it's a, a ver, um, um, an immersion of um, attachment theory. So how we were loved, how we learned how to love to feel safe and secure or not in relationships. And that's combined with biology. So biologically neuroscience, we're all biologically wired for fight, fight, or fear, um, fight, flight, or uh, freeze rather, sorry. And then that comes into our arousal level, not sexual, but our mood. And so you're talking about your window of tolerance. And when you're in relationship, if you're, again, applying the principles of secure functioning, where you're putting every thought, feeling, idea, behavior, action through the lens of how does this impact on my partner? How does this impact on our relationship? I may be getting amped up, but I can't be a complete asshole uh, to my partner if I am putting everything through that lens. It is asking me to, and it doesn't mean it's easy, and 100% we show up as ourselves, we're all human, so it's going to take, you know, I'm... I might have a moment, but I, but if I'm committed to this process, then I'm going to check myself. I'm going to find a way of regulating. We may also work together to regulate, to co-regulate with partners. And then if I'm not able to, I'm going to say, I am having a really hard time. I can't, I can't follow you or I'm, I'm getting flooded or I'm just finding I'm getting really angry right now. I need to step away, but I promise I will come back when I'm calmer so that we can talk about this because I care about us and I want to understand. And what happens is when we're in relationship, we oftentimes are speaking to be understood as opposed to be listening to understand. And if you, right. And because we're also self-referential, that's just how our brains are wired. Again, that's about survival. And so this shift, it really is a, a shift in holy. I cannot think about I, I am thinking as a we. And that is really a very different language to learn. Mm-hmm. Very and much that's so. The, so that's the complexity that you're speaking to, Laurel, is all those resources that are needed, you know, in that moment of being able to regulate yourself so that you don't act out in the relationship and potentially, you know, be harmful or threatening to your partner or the relationship. And that's the skill. Like this is, this is the complexity of it, right? Is it's learning how to do that. Have you got a school for us to attend? Well, listen, any of the PACT Institute, check it out. Stan Tatkin is a brilliant man. You know, there's lots of resources on there for helping for helping people be relational. But there's lots of resources, right, about how to be relational, how to be relationally self-aware, which starts hopefully with curiosity. How are the other how is my partner experiencing me right now Mm. versus Mm -hmm. this is how I'm experiencing my partner? Right. We've been trying to say more often, assume good intent. Yes. Positive regard. Right. Because that's become more and more difficult. Again, when we're spending so much time together, we're throwing a tone in that we don't necessarily need to or mean to. 
and maybe we're feeling frustrated about something else, but it's presenting because we're, it's our partner we're talking to. It's our other family members we're talking to. So we've been reminding each other regularly lately to assume good intent. And the other one that we've been using, and I know that we used to sort of say it sort of lightly because it was something you taught us was only love today. Like, let's make sure we focus on presenting one another with love. And, and that's, that's, you know, how we have to function to get through the day. But those little things, those two little things go a really long way in helping us make sure that we want to maintain good communication. And that's a, dis- and that's a choice. Those are really important points that you just made, Tam, because it's a choice. Do I choose to see my partner in positive regard? Do I choose to lead with love? Do I choose to behave in a way that is coming from a space of openness and love? Or am I going to you know, beyond self-referential, I'm, I'm upset right now. And this is how I am going to behave. It is a hundred percent a choice. Yeah. And I look at it from the standpoint that relationships are evolutionary. Mm-hmm. They're never supposed to be because I met my husband when I was 16 mm-hmm. and then we split and then we got back together. And his expectation was I was going to be the same mm-hmm. girl, girl, air quotes, that he met that many years ago. And I wasn't, and he was shocked, actually flabbergasted that I wasn't the same, <laughs> the same person. He goes, what happened to you? I went, well, I'm a woman now. <laughs> yes, I have, a, I have a fully developed brain now. I did it back then. Right, right. Oh, I didn't throw that one in. So <laughs> we've got just about a minute left. So Michelle, why don't you tell us where we can find you? Oh my goodness, that went by so quickly. Right? Uh, right? We will have you back for other conversations. Oh don't you worry. I would, I would love that. So I don't have a big social media um, presence. It's just not my thing, but people can find me um, via my website and or Googling me. If you just Google Michelle Ray, sexologist, I often come up. I didn't give myself that name. That's what Google gave me. So I'm, I'm happy. Like, do you want me to name my, like my website? Okay. So it's Michelle. So it's Ray counseling, www.rayareecounseling.com. Um, and they can contact me through there. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Delightful chatting with you about my most favorite topic which is love and relationships love it love it thank you thanks for listening to the boobs bods and brains podcast if you would like to learn more about us or our past episodes then check us out on instagram click the link in our bio to visit our website to learn more about sponsorship opportunities we are always excited to have you offer different show topic ideas if you have a suggestion reach out via instagram or our website And as always, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Boobs, Bods, and Brains podcast and invite all of the women you know.